Treat Us on St. Anselm by Father Anthony Meredith. St. Anselm was born in Italy, in Lombardy, in Italy, in about the year 1033. And he died in England, in Canterbury, in 1109. He had moved from Lombardy to France, or Gaul, I suppose it was then called, and he became abbot of Beck in Normandy. And from there he was transferred, translated, to the city of Canterbury as a result of the activities and desire of William Rufus, the second Norman king of England, who made him Archbishop of Canterbury in the year 1093. And he continued as Archbishop of Canterbury till his death on April the 21st, 1109, aged about 76. The main contribution to the um, theology and history of the church is that he accepted what he had to believe, but he provided us with two particular types of argument, which I think I should mention now. The first is a so-called ontological argument for the existence of God. And that is an attempt to prove God's existence from the definition we give of God. If we say, as Anselm wanted to say, that God is that greater than which I cannot think, that which is greater than which I cannot think must be thought of as something existent. And what is thought of as because existence is an attribute which is greater than any other attribute, and so if you think of God, you must think of him as existent, and you can't therefore deny his existence. So it's an attempt to prove God's existence from the very nature of the definition of God. It's called the ontological argument. And it was very popular later on with distinguished writers of the calibre of Leibniz in the 18th century, who also used the ontological argument to prove the existence of God. God is greater than which I cannot think. Now, apart from that celebrated argument, the argument known as the ontological argument, the other important contribution which he made is, in fact, in his writings on the title, Why Did God Become Man? Cur Deus Homo. He, of course, naturally enough, accepted the truth of the Incarnation. It wasn't a question of doubting the Incarnation. But the question is really, why did God become man? And he uses part of his argument in that book and also elsewhere, he assumes the truth by faith of the Incarnation. He assumes the Incarnation and he endeavours to defend it by reason. So the argument therefore is rather like his master Augustine. If you do not believe, you will not understand. You can't possibly hope to understand the nature of Christianity unless you believe in what is given by the Gospel and by our faith. So that's really what he used in order to prove it. And this idea of his can be found well outlined in a book of his 
called the Proslavion, part of his meditations and devotions. And he writes in that particular book something which is of great importance for this particular point I'm making. So I have written the following short work dealing with this matter and with several others from the point of view of someone trying to raise his mind to the contemplation of God. To raise the mind to the contemplation of God and seeking to understand what he believes. To understand what he believes. You mustn't simply therefore say, I believe, full stop. I believe and I'm trying to raise my mind up to a deeper knowledge and understanding of what I have. It does not seem to me that either this work or the one I mentioned before deserves to be called a book or to bear the name of its author. But I do not think they should be distributed without some sort of title which might make those into whose hands they've come read them. So I have given them these titles with the first, The Example of Meditating on the Weaning of Faith, and the second, Faith in Search of Understanding. This is something really very important for Anselm, Faith in Search of Understanding. So it's not simply enough to affirm your creedal beliefs, but you must try to understand them also. And that's something which he's very strong and insistent upon the importance of seeking understanding of what you believe. So, in this particular work, the Proslogion, how and why God is both seen and not seen by those who seek him. So you have to raise up your mind and heart to God. Raising the mind and heart to God, which is in some ways a very good definition of prayer, the raising of the mind and heart to God. So in chapter 14 of the same work, the Proslogion, He says, O my soul, have you found what you were looking for? I was seeking God, and I have found that he is above all things, and that than which nothing greater can be thought. I have found him to be life and light, wisdom and goodness, eternal blessedness, and the bliss of eternity, existing everywhere and at all times. If I have not found my God, What is it that I have found and understood so truly and certainly? But I have found him. And why do I not experience what I have found? Lord God, if my soul has found you, why has it no experience of you? But he wants the experience of God. He doesn't simply want to believe or to understand. He wants also the experience of God in his own life. He doesn't simply content with saying, Oh God, utterly and completely beyond me, therefore I cannot possibly hope to understand him, or feel him, I must raise my mind and my heart to God. And that's some truth which lies very much, as you can see, at the heart of the Proslogion. And the rest of his other works are prayers and meditations. Prayer to St. Paul, prayer to St. Peter, prayer to St. John the Baptist, prayer to St. Mary. Well, this is the prayer to St. Mary when the mind is weighed down with heaviness. Mary, Holy Mary, among the holy ones, the most holy after God, mother with virginity to be wondered at, virgin with fertility to be cherished, you bore the Son of the Most High and brought forth the Saviour of the lost human race. Lady, shining before all others with such sanctity, 
preeminent and without dignity, it is very sure that you are not least in power and in honour, life-bearer, mother of salvation, shrine of goodness and mercy. I long to come before you in my misery, sick with the sickness of vice, in pain from the wounds of crimes, putrid with the ulcers of sin. However near I am to death, I reach out to you, and I long to ask that by your powerful merits and your loving prayers you will deign to heal me. Good lady, a huge dullness is between you and me, so that I am scarcely aware of the extent of my sickness. I am so filthy and stinking that I was afraid you will turn your merciful face from me, so I look to you to convert me. But I am held back by despair, and even my lips are shut against prayer. That's the first of the prayers to St. Mary. That gives you some idea of the nature of Anselm's prayers, his desire to get closer to God through prayer as well as through understanding. <laughs> 